1: Welcome back to the podcast to this episode with Joth Riggs, veteran assistant director, television and film, but also a feature film director. Join us in the conversation as we pick up where we left off. A lot of people yeah. that are going to listen to our our podcast come from faith faith based and of, and some from secular, and a lot mm-hmm. of it from television, and they shoot documentaries and such. And they don't do feature films or work on, on big um, TV series, Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, and all that we're going to talk about. Describe to them what an AD uh, assistant director does, because it's, it's, it's one of the most important jobs on a set.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because the the title is a bit of a misnomer. It's not an assistant, anything, frankly, it's uh, the, the AD is, is the lead manager on set. Um, The AD runs the operations of the set, oversees the crew, um, creates the schedule um, and and facilitates, frankly, everything that's necessary in order to get the film made. Uh, Make sure that all of the department heads are fully informed Here's what we're doing. Here's what we need. Uh, facilitates all of the puzzle pieces, uh, which are many, um, to make sure that it's a smooth running set, and ultimately that the director gets the movie that they want in the can.
1: Right. And not only that, you know, in other
0: places, other places, the job is is not called an AD; it's called the co director. Oh. Which kind of gives you a little bit more of an idea of how it feels, I, uh, but I, in the I U.S., did, yeah, I
1: did. I did not know that that is co-director elsewhere. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, um, so that that's a little more accurate. A lot of people, you know, you you would think it's assistant to the director or director's assistant, but it's really not. It's the right hand man, you know. And could you, excuse- and, you know, and by the way, the assistant director also see the the whole the focus of a director is to get great performances out of their actors. And the assistant director should think about all the things that director should never have to think about. So when you've got a really good AD, your director should not have to worry about all of the elements getting in place. You know, I've also done, I've done big studio films, but I've done small independent low budget films. And I've worked with some inexperienced people as well. And one of the things I have to kind of correct a lot of times when I'm working with new directors is that they're constantly worrying about minutia and logistics and details that really shouldn't be their problem. They should be focused on their actors and getting their vision on screen. And so there are times when I have to really break habits of newer directors who have not worked with good experienced ADs and are worried about little scheduling issues and things like that. And I'm constantly like, don't worry about that. That's not your problem. You know, go work with your actor and, you know, get your performances. Um, So, yeah, it working, I'm, I'm fortunate that I was able to start at the very top in terms of the people I was working with. I started with the DGA, big budget studio world, the best of the best. So I learned the best way possible from the best in the business. And then I use that as a trickle down as so I worked on studio films, but then I also moved into indie films so I could move into faith based films. And there was a bit of a learning curve because those aren't people who have worked with people at the top of the game. They are people who have worked with homegrown crews who have or self-taught or learned by uh, by trial and error, which is effective but you don't know what you don't know and so they're like oh i did it this way and it worked just fine ah yes but what you don't know is this this and this and you know if you if you were aware of that then it it would just completely raise your game entirely so i i have become a bit of a first-time director specialist working with first-time directors to help them understand not only the job of the director but the job of everybody around them so that they know what they can let go of and how they can best focus on being an amazing director.
1: Well, how wonderfully said I, years ago, I did some commercials for McDonald's uh, was the director mm-hmm. and I had come from uh, documentary filmmaking, small crews had to also be the producer, wear a lot of hats and on the mcdonald's shoots that i did as a commercial director it was so um gosh and not invigorating it's freeing freeing is the word i didn't have to worry about anybody getting paid I i didn't have to worry about the food or the truck or the gear or the locations All I had to do was worry about the act. In this case, it was a reality type shoot uh, about what was in front of the camera and how they, I'm not going to say performed, but how they uh, walked through their scenes. And I thought, this is wonderful. I, man, I I would have liked to have done this 20 years ago, but it, you know, smaller crews and such. Now, okay you you brought up uh, some some really good scenarios here in the sense of what can an independent filmmaker learn from a a top top filmmaker mm. that's a whole nother level but what can the top filmmaker learn from kind of the savvy or the quickness of an indie filmmaker
0: that is a great point and that is, and that is a big difference um so the one thing about, uh, you know, working with studios is you have big budgets and when you have big budgets, you can you can do whatever you want. Um, the biggest difference I've seen is in um, being nimble. Um, you know, when you have a, a, a union crew, for example, you know, everybody's got their position and everybody's got their role, but you cannot cross over or else it's a union grievance. So sometimes even to do sort of the smallest things requires you know, 15 people. Uh, Whereas in the indie world, it's like, hey, grab a camera and run over there and get that shot. Just, you know, you and a focus puller or whatever. And uh, you can't really get away with that in a union scenario because it's like, well, you need a makeup person, you need a wardrobe person, you need a props person. You know, they all have to be represented and, you you know, and so on. So um, it depends, you know, whether or not you're on a union shoot will determine, whether you have the ability to be flexible or not but you know typically when you're on a an indie low budget film you're often not union um and and i will say that regardless the default mode should always be safety first period and the story Sure. sure but but barring that you can be a little flexible you can be creative with how you approach things and uh You know, the bigger um, film crews tend to just really get locked into their ways. Um, So they need to be a little bit more flexible if they're going to move into a lower budget indie world. Um, Now, vice versa, if you're coming from a lower budget indie world and you want to move into the bigger projects. Well, first thing I'll say is know enough to know you don't know enough. This is a quote that I've used for years. Because that was one of the it's, things. It's actually, at.
1: it's actually on your website.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, because that's one of the things I came across first. When I moved into the, the the indie world, I came across a lot of resistance because I came across a lot of people that said, I know what I'm doing. You know, even they even if it wasn't in their words, it was in their attitude and their body language. Don't come here and try and tell me how to do my job. I know it. I've been doing it for 18 months you know, or something like that. And it's like, oh, yeah. But what you don't realize is there's a way better way to do it in this sense. I'm not saying that's always the case, but when you have a closed-minded attitude, you're never going to grow. And if you're never going to grow, you're never going to get better. So if you have an attitude of, even though you come here from another place and have been doing it, you know, in a different way, I don't want to learn from you. Well, then guess what? You've maxed out. You've peaked yep. in your career. That's as good as it's going to get, you know? And so I found that pretty frustrating that people weren't willing to expand their horizons and see how is it done? Because a lot of things in the indie world, and by the way, that's that's changed and adapted. I mean, I've been doing indies now for 13 years and, and I've seen a big drastic shift, even in that period of time, they've gotten a lot better. People are learning and growing and so on. But, uh, you know, it, it requires a flexible attitude of um, what can I learn? And because what I was discovering is a lot of times they were doing things um, in in sort of a roundabout way. And I'm like, Hey, there's a way more efficient way to do this. And they're like, yeah, but I've done it this way every time I'm like, okay, well, you know, you can save so much time and money and effort if you did this way. And, You know, the example I give is that we don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. And so many times I felt like with new filmmakers, you know, they're inventing the wheel. Well, it's like, you know what? People there, there are people out there that have invented wheels and made them amazing. Study them. They're really good at it. And then you can cut right to it. You know, I mean Hollywood has been around for over a hundred years and very successfully, well, maybe not over a hundred years, but just about a hundred years, very successfully made, you know, thousands and thousands of movies. Um, we all have something to learn from that. And in fact, that's actually a quote I remember from working with Steven Spielberg. Um, I remember Steven saying that and this was again this was after Schindler's List which is arguably you know a masterpiece he said he still studied the masters you know Kurosawa and Fellini and didn't consider himself one of them he still considered himself a student and I've always said hey if Steven Spielberg thinks he still has something to learn we all have something to learn you know and that attitude is really going to help us all get better at what we do
1: I have a story. Uh, my one of my favorite that just there's a light bulb over my head. Joff on this one. My one of my favorite directors is Billy Wilder. I just absolutely love his films. And in the late '40s, all through the '50s and early '60s, some like It Hot, Stalag Seventeen, Sabrina, The Apartment, mm-hmm. Love in the Afternoon, Witness for the Prosecution. Uh, um, <laughs> Oh gosh, Uh, I I could go on, but that's okay. He was near the end of his life uh, into his late 80s. He died like maybe age 94 or so. He was doing a master Mm. class in Hollywood. I don't know if you knew about this, about screenwriting. Mm. It was not a big group. Mm. And he got up there and somebody that was a famous director and screenwriter looked around. And maybe I'm going to just say that maybe there's 40 people in there. And these are Oscar mm. winners and Emmy winners. And mm-hmm. uh, the guy next to, to the famous director, they're both famous. And one guy says, the other, what are you doing here? He says, I'm here to listen to the master. There's something that he knows that mm-hmm. we don't know. And we're here to mm-hmm. learn it. And I thought, as you were talking about that, Joth, that's exactly right. You, I've said this in my seminars. Mm-hmm. You can never know it all. You, it's impossible. You can never, ever yeah. Yeah, know it sure. all. And if you think you know it all, that is the beginning of your demise. It's time to call it quits and go off to Palm, absolutely go off to Palm Springs and have mint juleps at four in the afternoon. Whatever it is, but <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, yeah. you're yeah. talking about Spielberg. It's like, I always study the masters. I'm going to make a little switch here on that. Yeah. Do you think that we and those in faith-based films are so, the, the community, I'm not going to use the industry. I don't like that term for that. The community doesn't really study the yeah. masters as much as they should.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I, there is, a, I think in some cases there's a bit of a psychological block. Um Because they, in a lot of cases, a lot of them have kind of grown up uh, fearing Hollywood as some kind of an enemy. And so they feel like they don't want anything to do with it. And in fact, to be honest with you, I remember hearing a talk from a very prominent leader in the faith-based film world who literally said, we should, as believers, have nothing to do with Hollywood. And I understand the notion, but I really didn't feel like that specific wording was very helpful because we have so much to learn from Hollywood. I mean, and including mistakes, you know, okay, well, I wouldn't go down that road. Here's how that turns out, you know, and so on. But there's always something to learn from others. And yeah, um, it, it feels like a lot of them have been learning from each other, but they haven't been doing it at the highest level. And there's a whole lot to learn from people who have been doing it at the highest level. So, yeah, I think there has been a little bit of a fear of having anything to do with Hollywood and they just don't want to, they don't want to study them in a lot of cases. That's something I've come across.
1: Here's a question for you. What in your experience after all these decades of uh, boy long days on set, I mean, what can someone learn in the in the film tv media industry what can you learn from your failures and what can you learn from your successes is there uh yeah just what can you learn
0: well it's funny you say that the failures part a lot of people maybe maybe don't realize that you you learn as much if not more in your failures i mean here's an example of uh, as an assistant director, you know I'm right there next to the director for every decision in the in the entire process, right? And and I've, as I've said, I've assistant directed a hundred projects, so I've worked with a lot of directors, and I've worked with directors at the very top, and I've worked with first time directors. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I learned great things from the great directors, but there's a whole lot of lessons I've learned from working with directors who are fumbling and and not doing so well. But I remember, for example, um, seeing the way a director was, a a first time director was communicating with an actor and trying to get a performance. And it, it was, they were really kind of grinding, you know, the the communication wasn't smooth at all. They weren't getting each other. And um, as a result, the performance was just deteriorating take after take. And But I'll never forget, you know, having a front row seat to how not to ever communicate with an actor. And it's something I learned early on. And I'm like, okay, that is something I will never do. And it's helped me become a better director as a result of working in that environment. So, like I said, there are lessons to be learned in both cases. Hopefully sometimes it's, you know, trial and error. Hopefully it's not, it's not you crashing and burning too hard. You know, sometimes you're just in the vicinity where you see others. And, you know, if your eyes are open and you pay attention, then you can avoid those same pitfalls. But even if it is, does happen to be you. Well, great. We all, you know, the life is all ups and downs, you know, just pick yourself up, learn from it, move on, do it better next time. You know, so all there's right. always something to learn.
1: I have four dynamic words to say: "Night of the Sicario." <laughs> Lots of lessons learned, absolutely. <laughs> well, that this is after all those years, after decades, you got to you got to direct Night of the Sicarios." And for those who don't know, in uh, in Spanish, mi esposa es una latina, pero yo soy el esposo gringo. Sicario means a hitman. <laughs> And so there are a number of Sicario type films, and you got to direct your first film, yes. And and what do you take, <laughs> what what Josh? What do you take? Uh, Joth? What do you take away from that?
0: Well, it's interesting. First of all, the film wasn't called Night of the Sicario when we when we filmed it. Uh, Paramount uh, picked up the movie, and then they they changed the name for marketing and so on. Um, but I mean, but there are Hitman and there are, there are Sicarios in the film. And, um, I mean, it was a great experience. It's, I love action films and, um, it was, it was a lot of fun to be able to do that. That was, uh, it was a, it was a low budget film, but, you know, we, we did, you know, we did the most we could packed it in as much as we could, um, you know, given, given the the constraints, but, uh, um, it was a fun experience. Now it's interesting too, because. Um, you know, so as a believer, I don't like, I don't like a lot of, uh, uh, language or, you know, stuff in a, in a film that I wouldn't want to watch or wouldn't want my kids to watch. Um, now I will say neither Sicario is R rated, but it's, it's R rated because the bad guys get shot. I mean, spoiler alert, which I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm not so bothered by that, but it's not, beyond that you know there's there's no nudity there's no language or anything like that so it's kind of funny that um, uh, it, it was not a faith based film but there is a minor character in the film that was a former missionary and the other people in the film looked to her for wisdom and guidance and as a result uh, Forbes magazine did a did a review on the film and called it a faith based action film and I just thought that was so funny because it's I think you know number seven on the call sheet. You know every other character was just a straight action character, but because one minor character way down the call sheet had a few words of wisdom that were, you know, from an old missionary, they considered the whole movie faith based. Oh wow! <laughs> so, that's all. Um, it, that's all it took. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Which because the person of faith was, was given, uh, respect for their faith, nice. you know, and, and, uh, which is not common in an action film, no. you know? So <clears throat> I just thought that was really interesting that, that, uh, that just triggered, uh, Forbes, you yeah. know, to, to, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was a fun little movie and, uh, had fun making it. We were a bit, bit crunched on the, on the schedule, but yeah, we got it done and, uh, we're gearing up to make some more.
1: Great conversation, learning a lot, having fun in this conversation with Joth Riggs, not only assistant director, but feature film director. And we hope that you will bridge on over to the next episode. We'll pick up where we left off. Thanks.